Okay, the Nasdaq shot up by 76% from the March low to the high on September 2nd. The giant five, as I call them, so that's Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, Microsoft, and Facebook, shot up 91% from the March low and were up 55% for the year through September 2nd, amid all-out euphoria mania. Everyone was lined up on the same side of the boat. Short positions of all kinds fell to multi-year lows. The S&P 500 index surged in July after having already surged for months, and then in August it experienced a vertigo-inducing blow-off-the-top rally that made it the best August since 1986. On top of all those months of huge gains, and despite the worst economy in a lifetime and the worst unemployment crisis in a lifetime, with 29 million people still on state and federal unemployment rolls. Back in August, very reasonable people told me that the market would rise by a quarter of a percent every trading day until the election, which would amount to another 100% gain. And then it all fell apart in a high-octane unwind. So here are some of the dynamics and why this isn't a run-of-the-mill sell-off, but a sign that something broke. I'm Wolf Richter at WolfStreet.com where we tell the stories behind business, finance, and money. You're listening to the Wall Street Report. It's Sunday, September 6th, 2020. The biggest part of the action during the run-up of stock prices was focused on the Giant Five and a slew of other hefty stocks with fabulous names, such as Tesla, NVIDIA, Netflix, Zoom, and Salesforce. In just two months, from July 1st through August 31st, Tesla had soared 130% on top of an already ludicrous market value, which on July 1st had already been higher than Toyota's. Salesforce jumped 26% in one day after its earnings announcement, and the following day it said that it would lay off a thousand people. And that's where the sell-off since September 2nd was the most severe, with Apple and Salesforce falling 10% in three days, and some of the other tech stocks more than 10% in two or three days, and others such as Amazon and Alphabet and Microsoft falling in the 7-8% to 8% range, and Tesla plunged 25% in four days, including after hours on Friday when it was announced that it wouldn't be added to the S&P 500 index. So all the euphoria mania worked until suddenly it didn't, which is typical for euphoria manias. Some of this run-up in share prices was driven by share purchases by euphoric investors and those suffering from a bout of the fear of missing out. Another part of the run-up in shares was caused by short covering, where frantic short sellers were buying back shares to get out from under their excruciatingly painful positions, and in doing so, they were chasing shares ever higher and were getting ever more desperate to buy them back at ever higher prices to cover their short positions. So with all this short covering going on, short positions in late August, the the so-called short interest dropped to multi-year lows. And for many stocks that have been around for a while, such as Apple, short interest dropped to the lowest in the data going back to 1990. And part of the run-up was caused by large and small speculators from SoftBank and global hedge funds to retail investors, day traders, and newly minted Robinhood traders plowing massively into call options, whose uh, feedback loop to the prices of underlying stocks 
pushed our shares even higher. With call options, traders can multiply their investment in a short period of time or lose the entire investment in a short period of time. Trading volume in the tech-heavy Nasdaq in August was over twice its level before the pandemic. Trading volume was on average about 2 billion shares a day in December 2019 and and 2.2 billion shares a day in January 2019. But by August, which is normally a quiet month, trading volume on the Nasdaq jumped to 4.6 billion shares a day, a sign of frenzied speculation taking place. And this comes as the Fed, which too has been baffled by this market mania, stopped increasing its balance sheet. On June 10th, total assets on the Fed's balance sheet peaked, and since then, assets have declined by about $150 billion. All this set the stage for a high-octane unwind. There is now a lot of buzz about one of the numerous large players in this dynamic, SoftBank, and its massive bet on tech stocks, both via a $3.8 billion purchase of tech stocks outright by the end of June that was disclosed in an SEC filing, and a massive play on call options that was revealed after some sources talked to the uh, talk to the financial media. SoftBank was just one of many players. Hedge funds have been all over this trade. But the SoftBank revelation is particularly interesting because it shows how funds that are supposed to make long-term investment decisions, such as buying stakes in young companies and holding them for many years, were getting pulled into this run-up in stocks and began speculating in the stock market and options market and they were driving them even higher with massive bets. In an SEC filing this summer, SoftBank disclosed that it had bought $3.8 billion in tech stocks as of June 30th, $1 billion of Amazon, $475 million of Alphabet, $250 million of Adobe, $180 to $190 million each of Netflix, Microsoft, and NVIDIA, around $100 million each of uh, Tesla, Shopify, PayPal, DocuSign, Zoom, Square, Spotify, Paycom Software, and uh, ServiceNow. When uh, SoftBank CEO Masayoshi Sun was asked in August during a virtual investor meeting about his $3.8 billion in tech stock holdings, he said he wanted to take risks and get upside. According to sources cited by the Wall Street Journal, he told these investors, I'm not a bonus and salary guy. Now we know what he meant. SoftBank has jumped with both feet into call options, in addition to owning tech stocks upright. For weeks, there has been a lot of chatter about a large undisclosed trader in the call options arena, the so-called whale. And this trader, according to this chatter on Wall Street, bought large amounts of call options on stocks like Amazon and Alphabet and Adobe, Netflix, Facebook, and Microsoft. Call options are far riskier than owning the shares outright, but also offer the possibility to multiply the investment in a short period of time. So most options expire worthless because the underlying shares don't do what they were supposed to do and, uh, by the de- and by the date they were supposed to do it. And any money paid to acquire these uh, call options, the premium disappears into the pockets of the call option seller and buyers of these options lose their entire investment. 
but the identity of this whale in the options market remained murky until sources began talking to the media and revealed a few days ago that this whale was SoftBank. Uh, SoftBank had bought call options of around $4 billion, which gave it exposure to about $50 billion in tech stocks. This is in addition to the $3.8 billion in tech stocks it had already bought outright and disclosed in an SEC filing. Call options impact the uh, prices of underlying shares via a feedback loop. Buyers of call options have the right, uh, but are not obligated to to buy the underlying shares at a predetermined uh, strike price by a, a predetermined expiration date. If the option is exercised, the seller of a call option is obligated to sell the underlying shares at the predetermined price to the option buyer. The seller of the call options is paid a premium, which varies based on market conditions. The biggest sellers of call options are brokers, banks, and other financial institutions. For sellers of call options, there is a huge risk in that they face a potentially unlimited loss, and they uh, just want to make a steady income stream from premium. So they hedge against this risk. Without hedging, they would be selling naked call options. They hedge by buying the stocks on which the call options are based. So if call option volume surges, these option sellers buy stocks in very large volume to hedge against the call options they sold. And that's the feedback loop between call options and underlying stocks and their prices. Normally, that's not a big deal if if option volume isn't huge and if volume of uh, put options, which serve uh, the opposite function, is in uh, the similar range. But call option trading volume has soared by 68% this year compared to a 32% increase in put options. And the gap between the two is now the widest since 2010. On Wednesday, which was on the eve of the two-day sell-off, the 10-day moving average of call option volume outnumbered put options volume by the most since March 2000, which was on the eve of the dot-com crash that would eventually drive the Nasdaq down by 75%. And this is how the call options mania on tech stocks has further inflated the prices of the underlying shares. But SoftBank was just one big player of many players, with hedge funds and other big institutional investors lining up on the same side of the boat, along with tens of millions of small investors. Wall Street also pointed its finger at the so-called Robinhood traders that used a smartphone app by broker Robinhood Most brokers no longer charge fees for options trading, and that has increased their popularity. The term Robinhood trader has morphed into a broader concept, meaning small retail investors, particularly as Wall Street likes to call them, unsophisticated investors, no matter what platform they trade on. The term Robinhood trader is now a generic term for relatively new day traders. And hedge funds started to front-run these Robinhood traders. That's how crazy it has gotten. They were all just doing the same thing. Hedge funds, SoftBank, other institutional investors, everyone was doing it. For them, it was like printing money. Until it wasn't. And there's another crazy thing that happened over the past two months. Options are used as a base for volatility measurements, such as the VIX Volatility Index. The VIX normally declines as share prices soar, but this time in July and August, even as share prices soared, the VIX rose. 
This disconnect confounded a lot of observers in the financial media and caused a lot of head-scratching because it showed that the underlying dynamics had become screwed up and that strange distortions were beginning to happen in the options market. And now we know. I'm Wolf Richter, raveling and unraveling miracles on a daily basis at wolfstreet.com where we tell the stories behind business, finance, and money. Thank you for listening to the Wolf Street Report.